A dead body doesn't necessarily scare away customers. I reassured myself the day we found the first victim amongst the teapots. Of all the lessons I learned from owning a tea shop, this was possibly the most crucial. Even in the East African colonies, the English couldn't be so easily discouraged from buying their favourite beverage. Given the circumstances surrounding the shop's grand opening, such resilience on the part of my customers was a jolly good thing indeed. Most fortuitously, the aforementioned event didn't actually occur on the day I officially opened my shop. A corpse would have been so terribly inconvenient. Much to my relief, opening day held no hint of murder, mayhem, or anything else of interest. Glancing about, I observed only customers who were alive and with coins clinking in their purses. Absent were rampaging wildlife and reanimated skeletons. It was almost boring, and what more could one ask for in the small town of Nairobi in 1900? "'How thrilling!' Scylla squealed, squeezing my arm. Her round face flushed, my dearest friend spun around to observe the growing crowd, her dark blonde hair fanning behind her. To Scylla, everything was thrilling. I'd never encountered an individual of any species as enthusiastic about all aspects of life as she was. However, I had to concede the point. It was marvellous. Despite recent events— a missing she-demon, an imprisoned husband, hungry ghost lions, and a host of other disruptions, I was finally opening the cosy tea-shop. On my other side, my cousin and sister-in-law Lily was extracting her fashionably coiffed hair from the fist of my liquid-oozing niece Grace. "'It really is,' she said with a huff. "'Grace, do behave!' I doubted a two-month-old baby was capable of anything of the sort. Proving my point, Grace gurgled, cooed, and spat up milk-coated bubbles on her mother's jacket. Trying not to express my disgust, I sidled closer to Scylla. I was wearing my freshly oiled leather trench coat and one of the few outfits I owned that had an unsoiled hem and no rips or other deficiencies, and I intended to keep it that way. While my niece was delightful most of the time, especially when she was asleep, I preferred to enjoy her and her vomit from a distance. We were standing on the somewhat muddy Victoria Street, minutes away from officially welcoming customers to the shop. A red ribbon awaited, as did a shuffling crowd of English gentry and Indian traders milling behind us. "'That was terribly ingenious of you, B.' Scylla said as she gestured to the shop and linked her arm through mine. Who would have thought of using packing crates as part of the display? I blushed at the praise and said, I was hard-pressed to find anyone with the skills to craft a suitable set of shelves in time. Scylla giggled, although I couldn't say what amused her. It's a good thing you didn't toss out those crates, then. I gazed at the storefront window and appreciated my handiwork. After I had removed the lids and bottoms of the crates and sanded and polished the remaining wood, the resulting open boxes were presentable enough to stack in the window display. 
Each box presented a framed view of a tea set to customers both inside and outside the shop. Go on, then, Lily urged. Make it quick. I think I need to change a nappy. Thank you for information I could well live without, I muttered under my breath. A stiff smile on my face, I climbed the short flight of wooden steps to the narrow veranda and faced the crowd, a set of garden shears in my hands. As I stood before the crowd of expectant faces, I swallowed against the constriction in my throat. Dampness gathered under my arms and across the back of my neck. Giant insects, flying horses, one-eyed monster crocodiles, shape-shifting vampires, and an army of skeletons were nothing compared to facing a restless crowd.' 